Hey there, welcome to our podcast. Pastors Todd and Mary have a message for you this week that they believe will inspire hope, unleash potential, and change your life. Make sure to subscribe to get a new one every week. Enjoy. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15 this morning. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn them on, that would be amazing. Uh, if you have a, a hard copy Bible, let me see you. Let me see you in the room. Come on, wave them like you just don't care. Let's go. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 is where we're going to spend this morning. I've got a lot of text to read to you. I want to preface this. Um, those of you who've been following Jesus for a long time, you have heard this passage of Scripture preached tons of times. I've heard it preached to me tons of times. And so I don't want you, I'm begging you not to zone out this morning because I really do believe that God's given me a fresh word from this passage of Scripture that has challenged and encouraged me in an extremely real way, and I believe that it will do the same to you this morning if you will just lock in with me. Luke chapter 15, starting in verse 11. Um, we're family now, so you know, you can say amen, you can say hallelujah, you can say preach a white boy, whatever you want to say, you can say it. And if you uh, hear something you don't like, email me at gina at mychurchunleashed.com. It'll be great. Luke 15, verse 11. Then Jesus said, once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me my share of your estate? So the father went ahead and distributed between the two sons their inheritance. Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and traveled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry. Because there was a severe famine in that land. So he begged a farmer in that country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed the pigs. So the son was so famished, he was willing to even eat all the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realized what he was doing and thought, There are many workers at my father's house who have all the food that they want and plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back home to my father's house, and I'll say to him, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I'll never again be worthy to be called your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young son set off for home from a long distance away. I want you to notice that. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. The father raced out to meet him, swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, and kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe. I'll place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. Bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Anybody who didn't believe God loves shoe game, this is your verse. Bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For my beloved son was once dead, but now he is alive. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. Yeah. I want to talk to you this morning. The title of the next 22 and a half minutes that we have together is The Question I Have for Jesus. 
The question I have for Jesus, will you pray with me? God, we thank you for what you're already doing in this house this morning. We welcome you into the next few moments we have together. We love you. We thank you so much for Carvel ice cream. And everybody said, hey, did I say that wrong? Yeah, <clears throat> not a Long Islander yet. <laughs> Someone over here was like, Carvel? <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated Easter Sunday. Aren't you thankful for the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Man, um, always such a celebratory time in our life as followers of Jesus. I'm going to be honest with you. There's another thing that I love to celebrate on Easter Sunday, and my wife gets a little embarrassed of how excited I get, and that is Easter egg hunts. Anybody like Easter egg hunts in the building? I am 26 years old, and I am unashamedly a passionate Easter egg hunter. I took the strengths finders test one time, and my top strength was hunter of Easter eggs. Like, I am very excited about Easter egg hunts. We had an Easter egg hunt at our church for the kids, and the entire time it was happening, my hand was just twitching. I was just, like, twitching in the back. Maddie was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. It's the eggs. It's the orange one. You know, I'm twitching. So I love Easter egg hunts, but the, the hunt that I really love is um, my, my family, my mother, when I was about, I don't know, seven years old, she started doing an annual heron Easter egg hunt at our house. And somewhere along the progression of my sister and I growing older, she began to exchange uh, what was inside the eggs. It went from candy to money. Come on, somebody. So you can understand why I get so excited about this Easter egg hunt. These Easter egg hunts are, number one, they're, they're incredible, they're amazing fun, but number two, they're violent. Why are they violent? Um, because I have school loans, okay? Now you understand why they're violent. You think that you've seen a good stiff arm watching Sunday NFL football. You should have seen the stiff arm I gave my little sister a few weeks ago when she tried to take the green egg up on the fence post, okay? <laughs> boom, you know, school loans, boom, you know. So we love this Easter egg hunt, and since Maddie and I have gotten married, Maddie now gets to participate. So after church, we go over to my parents' house, and we have this Easter egg hunt. We're running around. We're finding these eggs, and um, it was no different a few weeks ago. We're, we're having a blast, and about halfway through the Easter egg hunt, I turned around, and I noticed something for the first time, and here's what I noticed. I think that my parents enjoy the Easter egg hunt more than we do. Okay, this was the scene a few weeks ago on Sunday, uh, Sunday afternoon. My dad is standing in the middle of the yard as we're running around looking for eggs. He's got his phone out sideways. Okay, this is the telltale sign that you are over 40 years old if your phone is sideways. He's running around the yard giving a play-by-play -play of this Easter egg hunt like he works for ESPN, okay? He's like, I think Noah's got it this year. Look at his bag. It is looking very heavy, you know? It, there's like three people on Facebook Live watching this. I'm like, Dad, what are we, what are we doing right now? My mom is no different. She's got our puppy. She's running around. She's taking videos and photos, and she's yelling things like this. You're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. And I'm standing there taking this all in, and I thought, yeah, my parents are definitely loving this more than we are. Was this for us, mom? You know, like, was, who is this really for? This is um, the, the observation I made. Their delight was in our discovery. 
they delighted in us discovering those eggs. Did you know it's the same way with God? That he literally delights as we discover him more and more. But the word discovery implies that someone has to look. In order to discover something, you have to look for something. This is why Jesus commonly would teach in parables, right? If you never heard the word parable, it's basically a Bible word for a story. So Jesus would teach in these stories. Now, um, his whole point of these stories would be to articulate a point or to teach a lesson through this story. He very easily could have just said, hey, here is the lesson I'm trying to teach you today. But Jesus knew what any good teacher knows, and it's that when you just give someone all the answers, it doesn't really lead to learning. In fact, it never really leads to life transformation. So Jesus would hide these little nuggets of truth in parables and say, if you are hungry enough to look, you will learn today. If you are hungry enough to look, you will discover today. And his delight, just like our heavenly father's delight, is when we discover him. Have you ever felt like God made you look for something? Have you ever felt like God made you look for him? Maybe um, for, for you, he's gone silent in this very moment. Maybe you're sick. Maybe your family is not getting along. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe this past year was just the toughest year that you've ever had. And if you're like me, many times when I'm having a tough time, it feels like it's the exact same time that God chooses to go radioactive silent. Or, 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 or I was seeing God move so much over here, and the moment I stepped into this, this season of struggle, it felt like God started to hide. And it's like, God, this is not the time. If there was any time for you to do this, it would not be this time right now. But what I've learned in this past year, because this past year has been hard for Maddie and I, it's that God does not hide from me. He actually hides for me. I'm going to say that one more time. God does not hide from me. He hides for me. And if I will look when it feels like God is hiding, I will actually find him and begin to know him in ways that I never knew him before. See, if I had, um, if I had never gotten sick, I would never know him as a healer. If I had never been afraid, I would never know him as a provider. If I had never been uncomfortable, I would never know him as a comforter. If I had never been attacked, I would never know him as my defender. My struggle can be my greatest blessing if I choose to look for him in the middle of it. Let me tell you from experience what I find when I begin to look for Jesus Christ when it feels like he's gone silent. I find a faithful God. I find a strong God. I find a just God. I find a God who will never forsake me, never leave me. He will be the anchor in my storm. He is here and he is here even when we have to look for him. Through your looking today, you might learn that God has not left you. In fact, he is doing something in your life that you could only learn through looking. He delights in our discovery. Now, this is so interesting to me. The father in Luke 15, he knew what his son wanted to do, and he knew that this would not end well, but he let his son do it. 
Notice he did not try to run down the driveway and pull him back into the house. He let his son go and do this thing that was going to end bad. At the beginning of this story, I, I think we have to take note, the son, he wanted what the father could give him. And at the end of the story, the son wanted the father. I remember when I was in college, what I wanted was a notification on my phone that I had gotten mail. <laughs> I loved getting mail in college. Anybody love getting mail in college? Or maybe you just love getting mail now. I loved getting mail uh, because I was the three varies. I was very broke, I was very hungry, and I was very hopeful someone was going to send me something to fix one of those other varies. So anytime I would get a notification that I had gotten a package, it did not matter who I was with, it didn't matter what class I was in, I was out the door, I was headed to the mailroom because I was so excited about the package that had just come, the delivery that I was about to experience. And I think this morning, if I can be so bold and say this, that there have been many Christians who have fallen in love with the packages that God can give us over the person that Jesus is. And when we do this, we actually rob ourselves of the intimate relationship that Jesus came to die for. Listen, my hope this morning is not in the delivery, it's in the deliverer. My hope is not in a package, it's in the person of Jesus. My hope is not in a gift, it's in the giver of the gift. And that is where my focus is. The son, though, he had to learn this lesson. He had to learn this lesson because at the beginning of the story, all he wanted was the gift. He could care less about his father. He, he, he was in the house, but it wasn't enough for him. This is so powerful because the son was struggling. Now, this message, this passage of scripture was always preached on the first night of youth camp when I would go to youth camp growing up. Uh, the pastor would come in and, and he'd say, we're going to turn to Luke chapter 15. And I was a pastor's kid, so I knew what Luke chapter 15 was. And I would kind of roll my eyes because I knew, oh, it's the salvation message night, right? The pastor would get up and his goal at youth camp was to get all the hooligan kids like me saved on the first night so that the other nights he could talk about other things, right? So I knew how this worked at a very young age. As I was reading this passage of scripture, though, I realized something. This prodigal son story, as we call it, was not written for lost people. This story was written for found people who turned their back on Jesus. It was written for people who were once living in the house and decided to leave the house. It was written for people who knew that they were a son, knew that they were a daughter, but still struggled. The struggle of the son is what makes this story so powerful. It's so powerful. Let me assure you of this truth this morning. If you're in here and you are like me and you follow Jesus and you know you're a son of God or you know you're a daughter of God, but there are moments that you struggle and there are times when it gets time to go to church where you have this wrestling match in your mind where you go, I don't know if I can show up because I feel like a hypocrite this week. Let me assure you of this truth, that God would rather have a struggling son than no son at all. That God would rather have a struggling daughter than no daughter at all. We're gonna see that this morning through this passage of scripture. The word struggling is an adjective. The word son is a noun. So struggling describes something that we are temporarily, 
But son describes something that we are eternally. So do not let something that describes you where you're at in a season define where you're going to spend eternity. Struggling is no problem for a God who defeated the greatest struggle of all time when he walked out of the grave and said, death is no match for me. Struggle is not the problem. You know what the problem is? It's becoming a holy son or daughter of God. Because we both know to do that, you would never be able to do it on your own. You'd have to be holy. You'd have to be matchless and blameless. You'd have to be the one with no sin. And thank God that while we could not be a holy son, God sent his only son to do it for us so that we could take the place of Jesus, not because we deserved it, but because he was willing to come down for us. So here's an encouragement for you this morning. You were called son by the God who knew your struggle. You were called son by the God who knew your struggle. From the end of your story, he spoke to the beginning of your story and called you a son in the middle of your struggle. Prodigal son, he goes and he blows all of his dad's dollar bills. Blows them. I, I don't know if you noticed the, the version that I read said that he, uh, he blew it on a binge of extravagant spending. Uh, I didn't even realize that the word binge was in the Bible. I thought that was a Netflix word, but it is. It's in the Bible. He went and binged on an extravagant living. And I thought, man, how many times as a son of God have I taken this beautiful inheritance that God has given me, this beautiful inheritance that I don't deserve, and blown it on some stuff that does not matter? How many times have I taken this incredible gift of grace and I've gone and, and I've blown it on some hidden sin? And I've blown it on some things that aren't going to matter in the kingdom of God. Or maybe, maybe you're here and you've taken your inheritance and, and you were thankful for it at the beginning, but lately you've been blowing it on, on a little bit of porn. And you've been blowing it on a little bit of, of greed and a little bit of lust. And a little bit, and we could just go down the list. You know what, what maybe you struggle with blowing your inheritance on. Just like the son, we read this and we're like, how could you do that? But, but if we're real with ourselves, when we look at our lives, we are just like the son. And so maybe you're in here and you're struggling in this very moment. And the question that you have for Jesus is the same question that I have for Jesus. And it's, Jesus, how could you possibly let me back in the house? Because you know, and I know, just how dark that place is where we blow our inheritance. Jesus, how could you let me back in the house? I want to read you Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I want you to notice what that scripture did not say. It did not say, come to me, all who are crushing it, those who are living their best life, those who do not struggle, those whose Instagram profiles match perfectly, their aesthetic is 10 out of 10. That is not what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. He said, those who are weary, those who are struggling, those who are burdened, come to me, and I will give you rest. If you're struggling this morning, 
I've got good news for you. It's exactly how Jesus hoped you would come. Now, Matthew eleven twenty eight. it's become my favorite verse in the Bible. It wasn't always my favorite verse in the Bible, but then I discovered that Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 specifically, is an only verse in the Bible. What I mean by that is it's a one of a kind. It is the only verse in all of Scripture where Jesus describes his own heart, the only one. There are lots of verses in the Bible where Jesus talks about what he cares about, where Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, where Jesus talks about who he came for. Lots of those. Lots of verses even where people describe Jesus. But the only verse in all of the Bible where Jesus describes his own heart for us is found in verse 29. I'm going to read it to you one more time. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Here it is. For I am gentle and I am humble in heart. If Jesus had an about me on his website in 2021, it would say gentle and humble. Why is this significant to us? It's significant to us because in order to come back to the house when we're struggling, we have to believe that the person who's in the house wants us back there. When Jesus said he was gentle and humble in heart, let me break that down for you just a little bit more. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite people to read, he broke this passage of scripture down and said that Jesus would, would have been, if he was alive on our earth today, the most humble and approachable person of all time. That he would have been the most understanding human being of all time in 2021. We know he was alive 2,000 years ago. But if he, was, if he was here today, think of whoever the most understanding and approachable person is in your life and multiply it by 1,000. This is the heart of the Jesus that we serve. It's the heart of the father that we see in the prodigal son. Notice what the father did not do when the son returned home. Notice that he did not say, where was my money? Notice he did not give him a lesson on why he spent the money the wrong way. Notice he did not establish a repayment plan. He said, go get my best robe. Go get my ring of sonship. Go get it because we're about to have a celebration. Jesus is understandable and approachable. It is his very heart this morning. God is not annoyed by you. God has not run out of patience for you. I find that Christians, we believe that Jesus is the most understanding and approachable person of all time when things are going good. But the moment we begin to struggle, we subconsciously revert and think that Jesus has gone from the most understanding and approachable person of all time to the most condemning and hard person of all time. But your struggle does not change who Jesus is. In fact, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says that as we struggle, it is his hope that we will approach him. For the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. You want to know what the joy was that Jesus thought about as he was being nailed to a tree? It was his struggling sons and daughters coming to his feet, coming to the presence of God, and him saying, let me take the burden for you. This is why he came. It's so that you would come back in the house and live in communion with Jesus Christ. Are you picturing a different Jesus in your mind this morning? Do you think Jesus is, has a different heart this morning? There's this huge lie going around that 
if you've messed up, that if you've struggled, that if you're going through something that people don't know about, that you've got to fight your way back to Jesus, that couldn't be further from the truth. You just have to turn around. You'll find that he's been waiting for you the entire time. I don't know if you noticed, but when we read through Luke chapter 15, it said that the father noticed the son while he was still a long ways off. Yeah. Yeah. The moment the son left, you want to know what the father's reaction was? It was to eagerly anticipate his return. So the son leaves, and picture this. The father begins to scour the edge of the property. (laughs) If you've left, if you've turned your back on God, those online family, if if you're watching right now, if you've turned your back on God, I want to encourage you. He has not turned his back on you. He is eagerly awaiting your return. The moment that you stepped out of his house was the moment that he began to hope and to pray and believe that you would one day return to him. This is his heart. This is who he is. I want to read you what happens as the son returns. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me my best robe, my very own robe. I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. Bring out the best shoes you can find. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For my beloved son was once dead, but now he's alive. Once he was lost, but now he's found. And everyone celebrated with over flowing joy. The question that I have for Jesus this morning, number one, is how could you let me back in the house? And his answer is, it's because it's my very heart. It's because it's what I came to do. It's because I want to spend with my entire existence with you. So the whole point I came to this earth was so that we could be together. But the second question that I have is, once I get there, what will you do? And we just read he'd throw a party. So if you're struggling this morning, let me say this to you, and and then I'm going to be done, and we're going to pray, and we're going to have some come-back-to-the-house moments with Jesus. You are not better at being bad than God is at at being good. You are not better at sinning than God is at forgiving. He, His grace is not just something that covers up little sins. It covers up all of our sins. So don't put yourself in a spiritual timeout any longer. Don't say, I've got to wait some time to come back to the house. I've got to get myself back together before I get back to the feet of Jesus. He's here right now. He's in your living room at home right now. Looking to the edge of the property. Anticipating your return. Will you stand with me?